Before we go into the word, we have um, Adam to come and read um, for us. Would you please stand for scripture reading? Psalm 124. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say. If it, is, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side when men rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us alive. When their wrath was kindled against us, then the waters would have overwhelmed us. The stream would have gone over our soul. Then the swollen waters would have gone over our soul. Blessed be the Lord, who has not given us as prey to their teeth. Our soul has escaped us a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken, and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. Amen. You may be seated. So we are starting a new series, and this new series is on the Psalms of Ascent. I think you've seen that on your bulletin. So we are starting a new series. We're talking about the Psalms of Ascent. What are these Psalms of Ascent? And today, my, if you want to put a title to what I'm going to talk about, it's He Turns My Morning Into Dancing Again. Um, there's a song that I love that goes, He turned my morning into dancing again. I'm not a good singer, but I try. So, and I love that song. And when I was preparing for this, it was so much in my heart that God turns our morning into dancing. And that's why I entitled this. this. But we are talking about the Psalms of Ascent. These Psalms of Ascent were songs that Israel sang as they climbed up the mountain towards Jerusalem. They would sing these songs, there are 15 of them in total. So they would sing them as they go up and rejoicing and anticipating what's going to happen when they get to the temple. They were anticipating the joy that will come when they reach into the temple. They were anticipating the worship that would happen when they get to the temple. So Israel would sing this song as they go up. That's why they're called Songs of Ascent. They give a picture of, of Jacob's ladder. But well, this was Jacob's ladder going into Jerusalem to the temple for a feast or for something like that. So, and these songs were divided into three portions by the Jews. And the portions are as follows. Psalm 120 to 124 had a constant reference to trouble and danger. If you read Psalm 120 to Psalm 124, you find a lot of reference to trouble and danger. But when you go further into Psalm 125 to 129, there is a reference to the confidence in God. Do you see the, the movement there? They've got the, the reference to trouble and danger, and then they come back to reference to the confidence they have in God. And then Psalm 130 to 134 speaks a lot about direct communion with God in his house. They're about to land in Jerusalem. They're excited. This is it. We're going to commune with the God who made the heavens and earth. They're excited, and they talk about their commune with him. So that shows us how much this was real to them. And not only real to them, it's real to us. These Psalms that we're going to be talking about are as current as the news today. Not fake news, real news. They're as current as the news today. They're as current, and they apply to what we are going through today as believers. And I want us to keep that at the back of our mind 
as we read and as we go on through the Psalms, through this whole time, that Ryan and I and other preachers are going to talk about the Psalms of Ascent. I need you to put it to the back of your mind all the time that these are current issues, they are current events. They are for now and they are for me and you. All right, let's go to Psalm 124. Psalm 124 is a psalm of thanksgiving. There is reference to danger, there is reference to all these things, but it is a psalm of thanksgiving. And in this thanksgiving, we realize that God's help is not a private experience, but it is a corporate experience. It's not a private little thing that God helped me and it's private and it's between me and God. No, God helps us as a body to make it because we are called to be a body. Let me give an example. If the finger is hurting and the finger gets bandaged and gets healed, most probably, let's say, you put Band-Aid on it. Did I say it right? I usually say plaster and my wife says, it's not plaster here, it's Band-Aid. So you put Band-Aid on this cut finger and it holds it together and that healing is not just for that finger. It, when it heals up, it heals the whole body. You feel better. You feel you can do other things that you couldn't feel. So the same thing with us, when God's help comes for us, it's for the benefit of the whole body. We, that is why we need to hear testimonies of what God has done in your life. This is a psalm of thanksgiving. This is a psalm of a testimony where David testifies and the people of Israel sing along and testify what God has done for them. It is not a private experience. It is a corporate reality for the church. As a church, when it comes to being blessed by God, when it comes to being saved by God from situations, we need to realize that it's for the corporate body. And as well, it's not an exception amongst the isolated or a strange thing that happens to the most holy ones. No. It's, it, it's something that is normal. It should be normal. God's help should be normal for us as a body. That when we go through situations, the first person we think about is God because we know that God's help is there for us as the body. It becomes a norm. It becomes something that we, 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 we are used to. We are used to God coming through for us. And that's a good place to be at. Because when we're in that place, we are in full trust. We know we can rest and trust in him. He says he's given us rest. And how do we get that rest? When we know that it's a norm that he helps us. We'll call upon him and he'll answer us. He said, call upon me and I'll answer you and show you great and mighty things which you don't know. So when we learn to realize that it's not isolated, it's something that happens all the time, we build our faith. We know where to stand. So as I say, this psalm for me reminded me of the song, you turned my morning into dancing again. You lifted up my sorrow and I cannot stay silent. I will sing for your joy has come. It's a blessing to me to realize that every time something happens, it might be hard at that time, but I know that joy comes in the morning. I know that weeping might last just this moment, but joy will come in the morning. I know that when it gets darker, sometimes I know that, well, it's too dark now, light will shine through soon. I can see, I know the end of the story, because the end of the story is here. We know the end of the story. Troubles might come, but we know what comes at the end. 
We win at the end because he has won for us. He has called us more than conquerors. So I just want to encourage you and remind you today what kind of a God we save. We don't serve a God who does not talk. We don't save an idol, an idol that does not move. But we serve a living God, the creator of the heaven and the earth. There are three things that I want you to walk with me as um, I walk through the psalm. I found three things that were amazing to me that I had never thought of. By the way, how, I, how it happened that I got to do the psalm was we had staff meeting. And I see Rona is already smiling. She knows what I'm going to say. And we were sitting there, and usually we read a psalm before we start the meeting. So we're reading Psalm 124 that week. And I just sat there, and I just couldn't. I couldn't hold it in. I, yeah, I was weeping the whole time. I was crying the whole time. I felt God was saying something to me. And then I say to him, I apologize, guys. I'm not crying because um, of whatever is happening, what we're talking about. I just cannot stop letting the psalm consume me. It's just eating me up. And Ryan said, yeah, then you're going to preach on it. (laughs) So that's how it happened. Background. All right, there are three things that I see in this psalm. The first one, we see it in the following verses. In verse 2, it says, If it had not been the Lord on our side, when men rose up against us, they would have swallowed us alive and their wrath, when their wrath was kindled against us. He speaks about the danger of being swallowed alive. He said, if it had not been the Lord, remember this, the first thing he says is, if it had not been the Lord. Not in front of us, not behind us, but by our side. I, I say to one of my brothers at the, at the elders meeting that I love it when he prays and says, Lord, help us not to be in front of you. Help us not to be behind you, but to be at your side as we walk. So my, pray, my thing to you as well is that he says, if the Lord had not been on our side. But then he speaks about the danger of being swallowed alive. When I think of a danger being sw- of being swallowed alive, as a kid's church pastor, what do I think about is monsters that come and they open their mouth and swallow and kids are afraid of monsters. They are afraid of the boogeyman who's going to swallow them, who's hiding in the closet. We all know that he's not there. Nobody has ever seen that monster that opens up and swallows them whole. We've never seen that. But he says if he had not been outside, he would have been swallowed alive. And that gives me that picture of a monster that comes in and swallows and they don't see it. They're just afraid of it, even if they've never seen it. And, and, and the issue with that is it comes back to that we as believers in our walk with the Lord, we have things that we are afraid of. He's speaking about fears here, that there are things that we fear, and these fears we expect, there are false evidence appearing real, because they are not there, like the monsters. But they appear so real that they terrify us. Actually, they say that most of the things, more than 70% of the things that we are scared of never happen. So we create this in our mind and we are scared. We, actually, it's not that we create The enemy brings this in our mind and gives us this terrifying fear where some of us have got fear that we don't even... Some of the fear cripples us to a point we cannot get out of bed because we are afraid. 
But there's the thing, the Bible tells us that in perfect love, there is no fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And I want you to realize that when those fears come, you can stand and say, the Lord is on my side. I'm not afraid. I will not fear. I will walk in the confidence that the Lord is on my side. Isaiah 43, 2. Isaiah 43, 2 says, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. God has given us a promise that when we walk through things, he is with us. He didn't say that, oh, when I will take the things away so you don't walk through them. No. He said when we walk through them, when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil. Let me give you an example. Shadows. A shadow is, my shadow here is way bigger. It's way taller than I am at this point. It's way taller than I am. So usually a shadow is, some, is a reflection from the sun, from the light shining on an object, and it brings out a shadow which is bigger, exaggerated than the object. Meaning when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we're walking through a valley where a light, who's the light? Jesus. The light is shining through there. And it's shining on this small object. But because we see the shadow, we think it's a huge thing. That's how kids see monsters. They see a shadow on the wall. If you stand like this on the wall with your hands and the shadow comes out on the wall, the kids think, oh, there's a monster. And this is what happens when we fear. We walk through this valley of the shadow, but we don't realize that the cause for that is that the light is walking beside us. That is why we will not fear, because the light is walking beside us. He says, I'm the light of the world. That's what Jesus says. So he says, when you walk through that valley, I am there with you. No fear can consume you. That's why he says that perfect love casts out all fear. Perfect love is Jesus. And his light casts out all fear. It sheds light to a situation. So we see these small items, and because they are so small, but we, because we are not looking at them, we are looking at the shadow, we see them huge. And they scare us. And it's small things that we can just walk past because the creator of the heaven and earth is with us. When we realize that, that changes everything. So he says, when you walk through these situations, I will be with you. How many of you have walked through tough times in the last year? Lots of us. Big time. And all of us who have walked through those tough times, how many of you would say, I saw the Lord walking with me through those tough times? A lot of us. Because he is there. He promises not to leave us, not forsake us. So we should not have fear of the future, but we should have confidence in him who holds the future in his hands. We need to have that confidence to realize that. But then when we walk in that fear, we cramp our courage. The Bible says, be courageous. Do not be afraid. When we walk in fear, we cramp our courage. One writer says, it's Kalbath, he says, 
Courage is fear that has said its prayers. Courage is fear that has said its prayers. When we commit things to God in prayer, fear turns to courage. When we commit to God and say, Lord, this is what is happening. Ah, I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know the future. I'm terrified. I'm scared. But I trust you. And I entrust this situation to you. That tends our fear to courage. But the problem with us believers is we do that. We say, oh, Lord. Oh, we come and pray. Oh, Lord, we give you this, Lord. It's yours. Take it. And then we walk away and then we turn around. Oh, what am I going to do about this? Bring that here, Lord. I'll sort it out myself. We do that a lot. Because we give it to God and we go back and we take it again. And that causes fear to grow within us. And I want us to realize that we need to give it to him and commit things to him. When we commit those things that we are scared of to him, that we don't know of the future about to him, it turns to courage. And then we are courageous to move on. He says in Joshua 1, 9, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not, be not dismayed, for I am your God. I'll strengthen thee, you. I'll help you, and I'll uplift you with my righteous hand. He says, take courage. We are called to be courageous. We are a courageous group of people. There are so many reasons that can bring fear to us today. Some of them include our political situation. Some of it include um, the economy. Some of it includes the bad reports from doctors. Some of it includes the global unrest that we're hearing about. Some of it includes the terrorist threats that we hear about. So many things can bring fear, just thinking about it. That's how current God's word is. When you think about those things, they were there at that time and they're here now. But then in the, in the process of all that, we need to know that he is with us. He is beside us. He is there, and he will not let the, the monster swallow us alive. The second thing that I want us to look at is verse 4 and 5. He says, then the waters would have overwhelmed us, and the streams would have gone over our soul. Then the waters would have gone over our soul. He speaks about a flood. This water would have flooded us away. A flood is a sudden disaster. It speaks of a sudden disaster that happens. In the last year, how many of you have had a sudden dis disaster that you didn't expect to happen? And in the midst of that sudden disaster, how many of you have seen God's hand walking after that disaster and thinking, oh, same thing. God is there in the moment when we have our sudden disasters that come. The enemy comes like a flood, but he raises the standard against him. We need to realize that as believers that, yes, we are called in a situation where the enemy is going to come. And he can come suddenly. But in that suddenness, God comes in and raises a standard. So we, we, we need to, to realize that when we encounter battles that are really hard, the enemy's tool is to discourage us. His tool is to shrink us back from standing on what Christ has promised us, from what Christ has purchased for us. He's pulling us back from being a witness of God. Imagine when Israel walked through the, coming down towards Jerusalem and they were singing these songs. Imagine how many nations that did not know God that were around them were like, what God is this? Huh? 
What God is this? He opened the Red Sea for them. What God is this? And, and I mean, not only just imagine, but think about reality now. We know in, in, in Exodus, after they had crossed the, the, the river and they were over on the other side, the other nation came to them and said, we've heard what the Lord God has done in your midst. We are terrified. Our knees are weak from hearing what God has done for you. And that turns people to God. And we are called to be witnesses of Christ. We are called to be ambassadors of the kingdom. And how do we become effective ambassadors? By sharing and being courageous enough to speak about what God has done for us. In this situation, the waters overwhelm them. It's a sudden disaster. But God, but God changes the situation. He's a God of the second chance, the third chance, the fourth chance, the fifth chance, whatever chance you can think of. Infinity chances. God can change the situation. He is a God who has a plan even when we don't see a plan ahead. Psalm 91, verse 5 to 6, one of my favorite verse, verses. It says, you shall not be afraid of terror by night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the destruction that lays waste, waste at noon. He speaks about that when disaster comes in, we will not be afraid. We've seen number one was fear. Number two was sudden disaster. And he says, when all those things come, you will not fear. You will not be afraid because you have made him your dwelling place. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Someone once said, a prayer has been said before, that Christ in me, Christ outside of me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me. I am all enveloped in Christ. We are in him and he is in us. And that sometimes is puzzling to people. How does that happen that we are in him and he is in us? That's a sermon for another time. But the whole idea is that we need to realize that he is there. We will not be overwhelmed by things that happen suddenly. God has a plan. He foresaw them when before they came. He knew and he has given you the tools for it already. What you need to do is to reach out from scripture and pull out the tools that God has given you and use them in this warfare. The third one, the third thing that I want us to look at is that uh, verse 7, it says our soul has escaped as a bird from the snare of the fowler, and the snare is broken and we have escaped. This picture always reminds me when I was a, when I was a little boy, we were very naughty little boys. We used to put out snare, a snare for the birds and would put, a, would put a dish up or a big bowl up and we'd put a stick to make it stand and then we'll most probably put some stuff for the, for, for the birds to eat. Then we'll put a string and go hide in the bush and hold the stick that's held by the string and we'll be hiding in the bush. And when the birds come, they get so excited seeing food, oh, free food, and they go chip, 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 eating that on the ground and we'll pull the string and the dish will close over them. Then the next thing would be catching them and putting them in a cage. That was silly. 
but it was a game for us as kids, as boys. Boys will always be boys. And we would, we would just enjoy this. But the whole thing would be, if you watch, when you, when you, when you re remove the whatever container to catch the birds that are underneath, you need to be careful because they escape. So we'd have all of us surround them. And then one, two, three, open it up and we'll catch them. And you'd see the ones that go off. You could see, you could actually feel the relief in them as they go away. Woohoo, I'm safe. <laughs> and watching their friends like, oh, I'm sorry for you, but I'm safe. <laughs> and this is the picture that comes to mind when he says that we, we, have, we have escaped from the snare. We have escaped. God has made a way for us. When the enemy thought he had us in a place, God creates a way. He creates a way to escape. Remember in Corinthians, it says, they had no temptation taken you, but such as is common to men, God is faithful. He will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able. But will with the temptation, while well, the temptation is there, he will make a way to escape so you may be able to bear it. So when the devil puts out, this is the third one, the third one is snares, and snares speak of being snared by people. It, it, it speaks of when the enemy puts things as traps in front, in front of us. And we walk and we fall into the trap. But when we fall into that trap, God rescues us. The snare breaks and we run loose. And we go on and do what we are doing, what we are called to do. But what I want you to realize is that he's a deliverer. This psalm speaks of a God who is a deliverer. He makes good on his promises. He makes good on his promises, church. His promises are yes and amen to those who believe. And in this situation, the funny thing about the situation is that these traps that not, do, do not only come from outside, from the non-believers who don't like us. Some of them come from within the house of the Lord. When the enemy gets into somebody's mind and uses them to set a trap for you, even in, amongst the believers. But one thing that we know is that there is the truth of God's word. And that changes things. The moment you realize what the truth of God's word says about you and says about the situation that you're facing, you know where to go. For example, I always say to the, to the youth, especially the boys that I'm, I meet on a one-on-one -on -one basis, I always say to them, scripture needs to be hidden here. When you hide scripture in here, you would know how to respond to situations. When you've got scripture in here and it hasn't dropped into here, you won't know what to do with it. Head knowledge is useless until it drops into the heart. You ask today again, I encourage you that as you read God's word, because that's where we found, find the power, that's where we find his deliverance. When we read it, let it not stay here, let it drop into the heart. So he says the snake is broken, he's happy, and he realizes that, oh, the devil had trapped me, but God made a way. Psalm 91, three to four. He says, surely he would deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the per uh, perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and battler. His truth shall be our shield and battler. What is the truth? 
yeah, it's Jesus. That's a very Sunday school answer, but who is Jesus? He's the word that became flesh. So he says his truth shall be a shield and battler. His word will be a shield and battler. And when we keep his word in our hearts, we grow our faith. And then it gives us a different story. That we walk, we have as believers to walk in faith for, for us to be able to, 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 to conquer these three situations that we've seen, we need to walk in faith. And faith is the opposite of fear. When we are fearful, it's very difficult to walk in faith when you are fearful. It's impossible actually, because you're walking in fear. And I put up um, an acronym. I was so proud of myself. <laughs> it says, fear ain't in this heart. And that's faith. When you know that fear is not in your heart, you walk in faith. I was so proud of myself. I was like, oh yeah, you're doing good. You can put acronyms together now. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so. There's the thing, we walk in faith. Faith is the opposite of fear. But also, how is faith built? I want, to, I want you to realize this. His, our shield and battle is his truth. And we walk by faith. But how does that come in together? Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by? And hearing by? So when we hear the word, there's a difference between listening and hearing. When we hear the word of God, it drops in here and it changes things. It increases our faith, it grows us in faith. We grow in faith because we know what he has said to us. We know his promises and we can hold him accountable in his promises because he makes good on us. So we see that. A few things that I wanna share with you that I wrote down when I speak of faith. A faith, faith is when we speak words of praise in a world that's hellish. In this hellish world that we live in, when we speak words of praise, we are speaking faith. F faith as well is when we sing our songs of victory in a wax, in a, in a world that, where things are very messy. When things are very messy and we sing our songs of victory, we are walking in faith. When we say, yes, he has turned my mourning into dancing, when we are still mourning, we are walking in faith. We're not, we not saying it's, we never, we'll never walk in, we'll never be mourning. We'll, yes, but in the midst of that, when we see and trust that God is there in the midst of that, we're walking in faith. Faith is, is when we are not scavenging in the dark alleys of the world and poking in its garbage cans for sustenance. Our substance comes from the Lord. Don't turn your faith and walk into the dark alleys of the world and go in their garbage cans to look for sustenance. You are a child of a king, the, the creator of heaven and earth. And you need to realize that. When you realize who you are in Christ, it changes everything. When you pick up your identity in Christ, you start to move forward, you start to know how to respond to situations. So I want to encourage you that in this culture that we're living in, let it not define us. Let the culture not define us, who we are. 
but let the truth of God's word define who we are. The last thing that he says on this, on this psalm, it's not part of the three things, it's just the last verse, and I love the last verse. It almost became the, the big thing in my sermon. I told, um, I told Rona and Amanda, I'm struggling because now it's just the last verse that becomes a big thing. And I, I'm, I'm trying, and I'll try to condense this. It says, our help is in the name of the Lord, who made the heavens and the earth. In Proverbs 18.10, it says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower where the righteous run into and they are safe. The name of the Lord. When Israel would sing the song, when they would sing the psalm as they go up and down, they would not just say, oh, blessed is God. No. If you read in, in Hebrew, they actually specify the name of God for that situation. Blessed be Adonai, which means creator, honor. Blessed be El Shaddai. Blessed be, so they would use the particular name for that situation, specific situation. God has got specific promises in his word for us. And we need to know those. And Francis Schaeffer in one of his books says that it's easy to say, yeah, God, everybody says God. But which God are you talking about? Can you define him? Can you make it clear who he is? And these people here, they go on and they make it clear. They say, our help is in the name of the Lord. They don't leave it there. They say, who made the heavens and the earth? There is no greater than that. And sometimes we, 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 we are afraid to define the name of the Lord because we are afraid the society is going to say we are intolerant. We are afraid to define which God we are serving. We are afraid to mention the name of Jesus because the society is going to call us something else. Do not be defined by society. You know who you serve. Call his name. The world needs to know who we are serving. And usually our society these days says, come on, let's get along together. Don't worry about what... Who, which God, I just said God, it's enough. Don't worry about which God this is. But that's a different thing for a believer, for a Christian, because we serve a living God. We serve the God, the maker of the heavens and earth. And he says, define him by name. And there's a name that we've been given to define our God with. I love the scripture, Philippians 2, 9 to 11. It says, therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him the name above every name. That at the name of every knee should bow, those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth. And that every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. That's the name we've been given. Use the name of Jesus. There is power in that name. There is amazing power in that name. There is a band that I like, um, some singers that I like, and my wife doesn't like them that much. Um, when I play them sometimes in the car, you can see she gets, mm, she doesn't like them. Uh, she, yeah, she's nice about it, but you can tell. Mm. Uh, um, yeah, yesterday I played them all the way from a campsite that we had gone to, and I think she was thinking, when are we going to get home? <laughs> 
And, and some young people as well don't like this people. They are in my top three favorite singers and bands in the whole world, the Gaither Vocal Band. And the Gaithers have got a song that says there is something about that name. It goes, Jesus, Jesus, there is something about that name. Master, Savior, there is something about that name. And Gloria goes on to say a poem, which I'm going to read to you, because I think it's, it's very particular to what we're talking about. So I want you to listen very carefully. I think I have it up there as well. He, she goes on and she stands up during the song, and she says this poem. It just touches my heart. She says, Jesus, the mere mention of his name can calm the storm, heal the broken, raise the dead. At the name of Jesus, I see sin hardened, men melt, the relics transformed, the lights are hope put into the eyes of the hopeless child. At the name of Jesus, hatred and bitterness turns into love and forgiveness. Arguments cease. She says, I've heard a mother softly breathe his name at the bedside of a child delirious with, fev- with fever, and I've watched that little body grow quiet, fevered, grow cooled. I sit at the bedside of a dying saint, her body wrecked with pain, who in the final um, fleeting sec- seconds summons her last ounce of ebbing strength just to whisper the earth's sweetest name, Jesus, Jesus. Empires have tried to destroy it. Philosophers have tried to stamp it out. Tyrants have tried to wash it out from the face of the earth with the very blood of those who claimed it. Yet it still stands. And there shall be a final day when every voice that is, that is ever uttered a sound, every voice of Adam's race shall rise in one mighty chorus and proclaim the name of Jesus. For that day every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is truly Lord. And she goes on and says, ah, you see, it's not a mere chance that caused an angel one night to come along to a virgin maiden and say to him, his name shall be called Jesus. That name, Jesus, is an amazing name. It's a name above all names. It says there is no name under heaven or earth that we've been given which by men should be saved except the name of Jesus. It's a name of power. What a beautiful name it is. What a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus. And as we walk out today, I want us to look at the sum of ascent and realize that after all is said, they say our help is in the name of the Lord. What does that name mean to us? Yeshua, which is the name Jesus in Hebrew. Yahweh, Shua. Those are the two things put together. Yahweh meaning God, the creator. And then Shua speaking of salvation which comes named Jesus, which means God saves. God is in the business of saving. Saving us from our situations. Saving us from the snare of the evil one. Saving us from all those three items that we spoke about in the beginning. Saving us from our fears. Saving us from sudden disaster. Saving us from the traps of the evil one. He's in the business of saving us. 
And I want us today as a church to realize that we are called by a God who saves. The psalmist does not speak of um, a situation where he's been spared or he has not endured anything. He speaks of situations where he has endured hardship. In all the three parts that we read, he speaks of areas where he's endured it, where he's been in the hardship. But in the midst of the hardship, he sees a God who never leaves him. He does not see a God who takes him out of the hardship, but he sees a God who walks with him through the hardship. And if it's hard, who picks him up and walks in the hardship with him. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. You might be facing fears in your life. You might be facing a sudden disaster in your life. You might be facing traps of the enemy in your life. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. He promised it. He's faithful to his promise. He's faithful to his word. As one singer says, through many dangers, tolls, and snares, I've already come. It was grace that brought me this far. And grace will lead me home. As the, as the band comes forward, I want us to realize that we are called by a God who walks with us. The situation is he never leaves us. He is there. He walks with us through our troubles. In the midst of our, of our emotional conflict, he's there. In the trauma that we face in this world, he's there. And we see it in Psalm 124. And they say, praise be to God. If he had not been our side, disaster would have come upon us. But he is there. It is not by chance that his name is called Jesus. Jesus, what a sweet name. We've gone through stuff, and we will still go through stuff. We walk through toils and tales until we get home. But when we walk through them, I want you to remember that he is with you. When you walk through tough times, read the scripture, read 124, Psalm 124, and say, if the Lord had not been on my side, where would I be? For a moment, think about that. Through your toils and turns that you've had, if the Lord had not been with you, where would you be today? Where would I be today? We've faced a lot of difficulties. I, I'm, I'm, as I look through the faces here, a few, uh, quite a few people I can point out and say, I know you faced this before, and when you faced this before, you saw God coming through. Even when it was dark, and it seemed like nothing was going to help, he came through. He comes down to our level when we can't get up to his. He lifts us up and shows us what living is. He comes down to our level because he loves us. Through the toils and snares, he's with us. He doesn't leave us. He doesn't forsake us.